Health Matters with Laura Kopeck focuses on matters of health and how we can take matters of our health into our own hands. I'm your host, Laura Kopeck, health educator, functional practitioner, traditional naturopath, author, and speaker. I've been in private practice for over 12 years and counting, and today is another discussion about COVID-19 from an educational and anecdotal experiential standpoint. Meaning as a health educator, I will discuss with you what I know in an easy to understand format. And as a practitioner, what I've been seeing in my practice as individuals rely on their immune system, boost their own immune system and why. I will also discuss what I continue to see as important steps we can take as individuals to help our own bodies before and during and post infection. As we all know, there is no agreed treatment of COVID-19, but there are many frontline doctors who are kind enough to speak as well on their own experiential data, which we need to hear as well in order to have healthy and transparent conversation about what has become one of the greatest health crises of our day. A reminder, this episode and all my podcasts are for educational and informational purposes only and is not a substitute for medical advice or a medical diagnosis. I think it's pretty important that we start with the course of the virus and to understand a couple of things. The first thing is that viruses always adapt. They are adapting within minutes of entering our body based on how our own uh, cells are set up, our own immune system is set up. And they often, especially these small RNA viruses, will often activate inflammation that already exists in an individual. Day one to five includes that incubation period. Sometimes a person might be symptomatic, sometimes um, they might not be. Three to five days is usually where symptoms start to occur. Uh, this can be a little bit confusing about when does an individual get tested. Uh, day four to five to eight is typically now considered that best testing window. If you test the minute you've been exposed to somebody with that tested positive for COVID, you may not show up with a positive test. And of course, if you wait too long uh, during the course of being sick, you may also not test positive. So it is a little bit of a tricky window to know when is the right day to get tested. And again, it, typically what we're seeing is somewhere around day four and five, all the way to day eight, sometimes day 10 is that best testing window. It's definitely important to know, uh, to know if you're dealing with a, to get a diagnosis, right? It's hugely important so that you know what you're dealing with. You know if you're dealing with a virus and a particular virus that we know has been a little bit elusive to us in how we can best serve our bodies. Day 11 to 14 uh, is considered where the virus is very active. It goes through a replication and cloning period the minute it starts entering your body. And so while it is adapting and gaining traction and its job is to replicate and clone itself, your immune system has also been alerted and that is also going to engage itself. So there's going to be this uh, increase in the replication and also an alert to your immune system an activation of your own inflammation, then there's going to be kind of a tapering off. Your body is going to be fighting the existing uh, infection, but also there's going to be a certain amount of 
uh, viral debris that happens and that shedding that if you've heard people talk about this. Uh, overall, uh, people are contagious from day one that's in that early incubation period, sometimes all the way to day 20. And part of that has to do with you may not be symptomatic, but you may have this um, kind of shedding of the viral debris, uh, which can in fact be problematic for those that are in close proximity to you. Your immune response is going to be, again, that virus is going, its job is going to be to replicate itself, clone itself. Your immune response is going to be activated and engaged similarly right around that day five, day six, day seven. And then immune response is going to continue uh, to day 14. The problem becomes in the way that our body is already set up in terms of how our immune system responses responds, and then also the kind of inflammation that exists in our body and what that response is going to be. So this is why, too, people will kind of ebb and flow through their symptoms. They may start out feeling poorly or not so bad, then it may get worse, then it may get better, then it may get worse again. And so what's really important is that you start to look at your self-care in addition to the way that you know your doctor or your practitioner is helping you through this with their uh, treatment protocols. But it's really important to understand you know, where your body is responding and how, because it's possible that there can be an overactive immune response or an activation of current inflammation. And so in day 14 to day 20 and beyond, we really need good uh, inflammation regulation and good cellular cleanup of that viral debris. There's a lot of great scientific data on the virus and a lot of different perspectives from scientists to doctors. As an educator, I find that it's really important to kind of simplify things so that individuals can really wrap their brain around, um, wrap their mind around the way things are happening so they can really understand the way their body works um, when there's an invader, when your immune system is engaged, how important it is to kind of look at your body in advance of those things happening. So the analogy I like to use and have been using for years is that your immune system is a little bit like a, a military operation, right? It's uh, waiting for invaders. It's waiting to be under attack. Uh, you want your good guys to always win the war. Um, and so let's kind of break that apart in a similar, using a similar analogy. So Antioxidants are a little bit like um, your army, uh, A for antioxidants, A for army. It's that kind of first line of defense you want to be engaged during an attack. And similarly to a military you know, troop, you want your military troops to be trained and ready, but you don't want them to be overworked. So you want to make sure that you know your own body isn't dealing with uh, too much of its own toxicity, too much of its own inflammation. If you're kind of overworking your immune system, then it may not be as, uh, you know, 
energized and ready to go. Similarly, you don't want to like not have it uh, be trained and ready to go. So we can also increase those antioxidants, kind of we can increase the amount of troops um, that we have preparing for a battle uh, by the food that we eat that contains those antioxidants, supplements if appropriate, based on, you know, your provider's recommendations, your uh, making sure you're looking at any possible contraindications to medications you're taking. But again, really kind of uh, beefing up those um, vitamins and minerals, especially those, those nutrients that act as antioxidants. Natural killer cells. This is another part of our immune defense system. And for natural killer cells, it's your Navy. It's another branch of your military. And like uh, our military where, you know, they specialize in certain areas of approach, you're going to have these different parts of your immune system specializing in different areas. Macrophages like the Marines, special operations that go in and take on certain parts of the replication process. So let's go back and talk about that replication process and what that means to your immune system and that adaptation. So imagine that all of your military wear a certain, wear blue hats, right? They wear a certain color and the virus comes in and it wears a green hat. And so in the beginning, there's definitely an identification of, oh, that's the target. But then the virus's job is to figure out how it can either make itself look like it's wearing blue hats or actually wear a blue hat. Again, you have these like fusion enzymes that are um, part of the cellular replication process and cloning. And so what you want is an immune system that's always able to identify that's the problem, that's the one that wears a green hat or used to wear a green hat. But what can also happen is a level of confusion, right? This is why we can see individuals with a confused immune system, an overactive immune system, sometimes not being able to handle it completely on their own. Because if that little guy has figured out how to at least look like he's wearing a blue hat, then everybody could be running around in circles around him and not kind of mounting that attack towards uh, him. And, and again, if part of the replication process includes, includes a fusion and a cleaving, then those are going to be like prisoners of war. And we always want to make sure that we're fortifying our troops, that we're doing everything we can so that we have enough to compensate for like that prisoner of war, um, where some of those, some of our own uh, immune system is going to be hijacked and not be able to fight and so, again, if we are focusing on our own immune system, our own inflammation, we can actually do a lot to prepare ourselves, especially if we think about, you know, infection as an invader and we think about our immune system as getting our military, uh, you know, in a good place, you know, different parts of our body or organs, the health of those, they can act like forts. And again, we want to put our military in the best possible situation, both in terms of uh, the troops, how well they're fortified, trained, how well our forts are. There is no absolute prevention. 
but there is preparation. You know, again, we can get our immune system into a better place. We can get our inflammation down. We can look at our own level of toxicity and look and see if that is part of why our immune system might be previously occupied or engaged. Um, one of the most important things I think that we're overlooking, even in the general conversation, is the importance of food and nutrition itself. And the big thing that, you know, I definitely am a big proponent on is if the food that you eat, first of all, contains things like chemical ingredients or high amounts of sugar, you're actually kind of engaging your immune system a little bit because those things aren't really a part of the way that our body functions optimally. And so if you're burdening yourself with those on a continual basis, might be time to look at uh, how often you want to do that, if you want to do that at all. It's a great time to really focus on your health and really think about, it, am I strong enough, well enough? Um, is my immune system as optimized as I can get it? Is my inflammation as low as I can possibly get it? Is my military, you know, operation ready to go in case of an invader, in case I'm under attack? So foods also can be heavy to digest. So it's not just about, well, how can I clean up my diet so that my immune system is in better shape? But what will I do in the event that my body is being invaded by something? And part of it has to do with even heavy natural foods can take a great deal of energy to digest. And you want your body to be able to direct a lot of its energy towards healing, right? You want your energy of your body to be engaged in the immune system. Um, so it can deal with again, whatever course of treatment your you know, provider has put you on, any supplements you're doing um, with or without that, just again, assisting the body so that the energy isn't occupied in heavy to digest foods, that it's really occupied in healing. I definitely hear there's some people have very low appetite or hardly any appetite, you know, sometimes that's the body's uh, doing its job because it doesn't want you to, you know, I find it really interesting, the loss of taste and smell, right? That food's not appealing, not interesting. It's an interesting way that the body's trying to make sure that it has more energy in immune and inflammation and, and less in digestion. Uh, definitely we need to stay hydrated. Dehydration is, is far more of a, a bigger concern, but, you know, uh, adults especially can do very, very minimal food and really allow the body to pay attention and focus on its own healing. Nutraceuticals or supplements, uh, these are gaining some importance during this time. I think they're always important in terms of how we help strengthen our bodies and our immune systems. But I think that, you know, we definitely need to be appropriate for age, weight, uh, not mix certain supplements that might be contraindicated with 
uh, medications that we take, or even supplements that might not mix with medications that an individual is doing in the treatment of an infection. That's always really important is to revisit your supplements um, during an infection to make sure that you're not having those contraindications. Uh, vitamin D, thankfully, I've been talking about this for uh, a really long time since the very beginning. Uh, it is essential that your vitamin D levels are not just barely normal or moderately normal, that they're nice and strong, solidly in the normal. Um, vitamin D uh, needs to be, again, age and weight appropriate, but definitely I'm hearing that even in the hospitals, they're starting to measure individual vitamin D levels. It's pretty important in um, the severity. It's a big part of our immune system. And I think vitamin D needs to be one of the most important things that uh, that we look at and, and, and keep. It's just, we don't really get enough even with being out in the sun. And, you know, definitely we see colds and flu season uh, more rampant in you know, dip outside of summer season, right? So when there's less sun, we see an increase in cold and flu season. Uh, we see an increase in cold and flus around holidays where people are, you know, mixing together, uh, where people have a tendency to eat more, you know, sugar and, and treats and things of that nature. But it's definitely really important to keep your vitamin D up. A good multivitamin that contains uh, good minerals, not just a vitamin, but minerals are super important. Minerals like zinc, copper, selenium, iodine, all these minerals help. They are that ammunition for our military. So they're definitely really important. And some of them can be overdone. So you have to be really careful and make sure that you're not creating. Uh, there's some minerals like magnesium, uh, those, uh, have, you know, are not problematic in, in high doses. Usually people will come down with, you know, um, symptoms that let them know they've gone too far, like uh, more frequent bowel movements. But it's definitely important that you be careful about adding too much zinc and getting into uh, super high doses of zinc. Uh, talk with your doctor, zinc in a higher dose than your multivitamin may be appropriate during infection for a brief period of time. But zinc in a super high dose for an extended period of time, that can cause symptoms that even look like a uh, flu. So, you know, just have to be really careful where you know, enough, um, where you've hit that sweet spot of where you get the maximum amount in before the maximum amount during and that you're not um, doing that like super treatment maximum amount um, before it, before it even, you know, again, you can overstimulate your immune system before you even have an infection and you don't want to tire it out. You want it to be prepared and ready and trained and then also be able to handle the, the actual infection and hand it more tools during that time. Um, omega, if an omega is inappropriate, it's a great anti-inflammatory, um, often does not conflict with a lot of medication, but again, check with your doctor. But omega, um, we're finding that even some doctors are talking about increasing that in that like post-infection, um, high inflammation phase where it's definitely more about lowering the inflammatory response. So that one as well can be super important. Probiotic. Um, probiotics, you know, a lot of our immune system is actually in our gut. There's different areas of our body that deserve a lot of attention. 
in terms of keeping inflammation down and, and being strong and ready to go. Sinuses, oral health, you know, viruses can replicate in the gum line, uh, on the tongue, in the back of the throat, in the nasal cavity. We want to make sure that we're super clean and clear and really not avoiding, um, you know, the what is seemingly not part of, you know, our our health in terms of fighting or strengthening our immune system. We don't really think about our oral health in that way, but it's super important. And our gut health too is definitely super, super important in terms of the strength of our immune system. A lot of that bacteria in our gut, you know, more and more studies are linking it to uh, the good bacteria and those good strains, how they can help fortify good lung health, good upper respiratory. It isn't just taking a probiotic so that you're not constipated. It really is understanding that next level of immune support and how we can regulate inflammation and reduce it. And we have to pay attention to these different strains. I love that they're starting to gain more and more uh, discussion in, in terms of what we can do to um, effectively treat the way that the immune system uh, regulates itself. A couple of noteworthy strains to talk to talk about. Lactobacillus salivaris. Um, this is a strain in probiotics that has uh, some of the really good brands that have this uh, strain at a higher quality has been shown to really mount a great resistance in any kind of um, bacterial infection. Um, soil organisms, if you don't tolerate a probiotic really well, sometimes a soil organism. Again, probiotics need to be specific to um, age and weight, things of that nature. So just be careful when you're um, you know, purchasing this, but uh, soil organisms, this is gaining a lot of uh, new attention too on, um, you know, how it will help uh, an immune system activate itself and strengthen itself and prepare. Uh, one in particular, I hope we'll see uh, very soon in um, uh, over-the-counter is the streptomyces. Uh, that strain, I think we can expect to see kind of come into a, an over-the-counter uh, probiotic uh, within the next year or two. But there are, again, a lot of good ones on the market today. Uh, that Again, that lactobacillus salivaris, uh, soil organisms, uh, things that contain different strep strains, those positive ones, um, really important. And so it's definitely really important to think about the kind of probiotic, do you have the right one? Does it fit your age and weight? Does it support your overall constitution? Is it helping strengthen your own immune system? Uh, things like, uh, you know, magnesium, definitely super important in making sure that the body is eliminating. I think that we think about gut health just in terms of, you know, is there acid reflux or is there, you know, bloating or constipation? But the reality is, is that if a large part of our immune system resides in our gut, then we have to give it uh, good attention. We have to make sure that it's a really strong fort occupying really healthy 
uh, soldiers and military, and that it's not burdened with other distractions, other pathogens that just may engage the immune system. So it doesn't have the energy and the resources to go after um, acute infections. Uh, the elimination system, super important, whether you have you know, constipation or not, is not just about constipation. If you are eliminating those toxins and uh, where did they go if you're not eliminating correctly? So looking at your inflammatory, uh, the way that inflammation is getting backed up in your system and looking at whether or not you eliminate correctly is a huge part of what you need to think about um, even before there is an infection. But definitely, you know, making sure that you are staying really regular and that you have a place to evacuate um, you know, toxins, and you have a place to do that immune system response effectively. I think one of the things that was assumed in the beginning is that it was always going to be an upper respiratory infection, uh, that it was always going to have a fever, that it was always going to uh, have somebody lose taste or smell. And we now know that that's not always what is happening. So I think it's definitely important that if you're going to um, use supplements in conjunction to, with whatever else you're doing, that you look at how where you need the support, right? There is not a lot to a nasal spray other than just maybe drying out and stripping membranes if there isn't congestion in the sinuses. And using something for uh, upper respiratory if it's going to hurt the stomach and part of the infection includes you know, stomach issues, um, nausea, diarrhea, or anything of that nature. So when you add support supplements, there are a lot that can target specific areas, but it's pretty important to do that according to symptoms and to also make sure that that is not a contraindication to um, the medication that you may decide to, that your doctor may have you on uh, as part of treatment. Again, lots of really good support supplements. They can combine effectively with medication. Some can be used if you're not doing medication, but want to make sure it's not just gung-ho taking every supplement out there um, if all that's going to do is just overwhelm and overstimulate your immune system. You want to make sure that you're really careful about, um, again, talk with your provider and find out in advance of an infection things that they want you to do to be proactive in your health, things they want you to do once an infection starts, and that you're discussing anything you're doing on your own with them so that you're not you know, creating a problem um, with the things that you're taking or not taking, right? Yeah. A quick word about the genetic piece of this. So we use the word genetics very loosely, but really when we're talking about genetics, we're talking about genomics, right? And so genomics really has to do with variants, like different types of um, variations to a gene. And some of those variations can lead to a little bit of a higher risk of inflammation, can lead an individual to have higher risk of maybe poor cellular cleanup. 
And so it's definitely, I think it's important to know your personal genomics, not just in terms of, you know, your meta metabolism or the food that you need to eat, but looking at really somebody who looks at that piece of personal genomics, the inflammation, the cellular cleanup. So you just have an, an idea of what your risk is. And that's the thing with genomics. It's not a diagnosis. It's going to let you know what your risk is if you put yourself in a certain situation, right? Like not everybody with the genetic risk for type 2 diabetes is going to come down with type 2 diabetes because it's going to have to do with a lot of the diet and lifestyle. And so we call this epigenetics or exposomes is another word. Your genes, your genetic variations that predispose you to risks, those are only as good as the things that you do to minimize your risk or again, the negative side is things that you do that lean into your risks. So that includes diet, lifestyle, existing pathogens in your body, the way that your body is um, set up already with its own inflammation toxins. So again, I think there's a really, there still couldn't be a more wonderful time to take on your own health and to look at how your body is dealing with itself in the now and also what your genomic risks are that make you a little bit more vulnerable so you know what are the things you need to proactively do to take better charge of your health so that you're a little bit better prepared um, to handle any kind of infection. Okay, I want to talk a little bit about just some of the mistakes I'm seeing, um, what I would consider mistakes, um, and, and what we might think about differently with regard to those. Big mistake is the food piece, the nutrition piece, not considering that a part of uh, our wellness protocol, if you will, um, during an infection. Look, I know when you don't feel good, the last thing you want to do is think about you know, whether or not you should eat healthy or not, um, you may not even have the energy to, to do anything. Um, but I definitely have seen a difference in the way that this plays out in people based on what they're doing nutritionally through it. So again, looking at what you're doing in general from your day-to-day -day nutrition, and then during uh, an infection, what you might be doing nutritionally. Um, often you might not have, you know, a doctor, his job, diagnose and treat, it's really not about talking to you about, you know, things like vegetable broth or chicken broth or chicken, homemade chicken soup or things of that nature. But, you know, if, if you're used to having, you know, a soda every day or dessert every day, now it, when you're body is under attack, the last thing that you should be doing is adding to its inflammation, adding to its toxicity, really um, engaging too much of your immune system and weighing it down with foods that are just going to be real problematic. So um, really good time to just kind of really strip it down into simple, really staying away from those heavy to digest, starchy um you know, thickening sugary foods, really bring it down to simple things like, you know, chicken and 
um, vegetables and broth um, and really just kind of cater to a simple, simple diet so that the energy of your body can be as directed as possible. I think another mistake I see, and I don't know that I would really call this a mistake, there's just a lot of confusion over whether, when to get tested. You know, I, I see here of individuals, they were exposed, they right away got tested, it came back negative. Five days later, they were symptomatic, but they had a negative test, so then they didn't think they didn't have it, and they actually maybe have tested too early um, and then put off being tested because they thought that the first test was negative. I think there's also the confusion about, well, now I must really have it, so I should get tested, right? So if it's not really that typical symptom or you think it's just a cold and then you wait too long and then also that comes back as negative. So I think it's definitely important that we start communicating and talking about when is that optimal window to be tested so that we know when to get that information um, for ourselves and for others uh, around us. I think that that's definitely pretty important. Uh, I think another mistake I see is just there's a lot of popularity towards vitamin C, and I think we're still needing to really talk about the importance of vitamin D. It's getting better um, than it was in the beginning, but I think we need to really understand the importance of vitamin D in this equation and the importance of just overall strengthening our, our bodies with some basic, basic things. Again, if you can um, tolerate and it's age appropriate, then you want to be on a multivitamin with mineral, a good probiotic, vitamin D, get some kind of anti-inflammatory in there. Um, really looking at, on a regular basis, adding those rich color foods that really are the um, inspiration to our immune system. Those dark colors contain a lot of antioxidants really, really important that we're thinking about throwing those into our food, into our overall nutrition on a regular basis. I think the importance of rest, I mean, we all know we're supposed to rest when we're not feeling well, but I think it, with this ebb and flow that happens where people are feeling better, think they've turned a corner, maybe stop their self-care or get up and do some things that they didn't feel like doing before. And that can maybe be part of a setback. Um, so it's just important that you really think about, okay, I may need so much time to really just focus on my health. Along with that rest, I'd like to give a special shout out to a supplement known as melatonin. It's not always appropriate um, to take melatonin. Some people find that it actually does not help them. Um, sometimes it doesn't mix well with certain uh, genomic variations, but, uh, and it's certainly misunderstood because it comes in all different kinds of dosage. You, know, you can get melatonin in a 0.5, you know, one half of a milligram, one milligram. You can get it, buy it in two milligram, three milligram, uh, 10 milligram. Recently, I've even seen it at 20 milligrams. So definitely the amount has to be carefully considered. One milligram is very different from 10 or 20 milligrams. And certainly uh, young children under a certain age can 
not have a high dose of melatonin or even a standard dose. So be really careful of just grabbing melatonin, um, you know, anywhere at any store without knowing the amount, knowing what is age appropriate and knowing um, how your body's going to react. Melatonin used to just be used for sleep and it did gain some early discussion about the possibility that it would reduce inflammation in the lungs. It's also being hailed for, you know, just kind of calming the body in a lot of areas. So it's not just being used for sleep and and it is a sleep hormone, um, but it's now being hailed as something that might reduce lung inflammation, reduce intestinal inflammation. Sometimes it just even calms the body down. Um, So again, you want to be careful with the amount. You might want to try a little bit of it uh, and see what your tolerance is of it. speak with your doctor about it. But the caution is to just grab any melatonin because it's being talked about in in part of a a prep or treatment in that it comes in different doses and it can be super potent and not age appropriate. And you may not need such a mega dose, but you also may grab something and it not be enough for you. So definitely um, a shout out to something that used to be just about sleep and is gaining more and more Uh, positive results as part of the way we support the body through something like this. Uh, But again, know that it's not all made the same. You can't just grab anything. Different dosages are appropriate for different people. There is some contraindication to melatonin and some pharmaceuticals. So again, make sure if you're doing something like that, where it can seem innocent enough that you have checked with your doctor or your pharmacist and make sure there's not a contraindication to taking it with any of the medications that you're already doing. Some other great supplements have come into the conversation. Uh, Certain herbs, again, herbs, be really careful about mixing them with pharmaceuticals. Make sure you're talking to somebody who knows these contraindications. Uh, Different types of antioxidants can't be mixed with uh, things like steroids and things of that nature. So again, just make sure that um, you're in a good conversation with somebody that you trust that can help you through this from a really good um, educational uh, point of view. And the last thing I want to talk about is a a little delicate. And I just want to say that, you know, our bodies, our health choices are very personal and mean a lot to so many of us. And I just hope that as we manage this individually, for our families and collectively, that we're treating others who make different decisions with empathy. I see a lot of postings on uh, social media that has a lot of shaming and judgment towards other people's choices. And I really think it's kind of um, not helpful to polarize, to make things black and white, People are really invested in making the best decisions they can for their health. And this is not easy. And I think it's there's fear in this for all of us, no matter what path we take. There are not a lot of answers. Um, as I said in the beginning, viruses adapt. Uh, small RNA viruses like this activate inflammation. We don't know how our immune system is going to respond. I think there are a lot of frontline doctors that are 
doing um, amazing work right now. And hopefully as the years continue to evolve, we'll have more and more information uh, to present to people. But I really think we need to have open and transparent conversations because you never know what you're going to come away with. You never know what you could possibly learn. But at the end of the day, we're all making heartfelt, personal uh, choices. We are all afraid and we're all trying to do the best we can. And I hope if anything, that we will try to understand that we are doing the best we can. Um, there's no good, bad, right, or wrong. It's just everybody trying to do the best we can individually for our families collectively. I wish you all the very best in good health. And uh, I'm Laura Kopeck, your host, and I hope you will join me again for another episode of Health Matters with Laura Kopeck.